episode 42 of Strange Brow Radio. I'll be your host in perpetuity. My name is Tobe Johnson. Thanks for tuning in. This episode is brought to you by Manresa Castle, Podcastle Live Part 2. If you didn't listen to last episode, well, you may want to. This will be part two of a two-part series, and we're sitting down with Barb Shoop, exploring the cloaking video, and a gal by the name of Steph, who came out of the audience and knows a little bit about Manresa Castle's history in Port Townsend. But I want to thank our sponsor, Feral by Erin at Etsy.com. Check out her beautiful drums, rattles, and smudge fans, but in particular, her gorgeous drums. Check those out at Etsy at Feral by Aaron, E-R-Y-N. All right, next up, Podcastle Live, part two from Manresa Castle. We'll be right back. All right, so I'll set the scene. Again, this is a reported haunted castle in Port Townsend, Washington, where we do our live show. And we haven't decided whether or not we're going to do it as a monthly show or bi-monthly. We're leaning towards a bi-monthly show, but we wanted to see how things would go because no one knew one another. It was a new new place. And uh, we're kind of taking some risk here by doing a live event after all. And it's a free show, by the way. If you show up, uh, no matter when we do it again, which most likely will be January 2020, um, it is a free show. So we have that going for us. But because we changed locations from uh, Cottage Grove, Oregon, out of a little pub and moved into this awesome castle, I just wanted to make sure that we filled it up, and we absolutely did. Man, you guys showed up. It was awesome. Standing room only, turning away people. Um, I think we can only fit about 70 people in this uh, cool little library adjacent to the bar. And uh, we had Barb Shoop show up. If you don't know Barb, Barb is kind of a a local uh, known personality from Greenwater, Washington that uh, works at the little country store there in Greenwater, collected... uh, reports on strange events happening near Mount Rainier and started a YouTube page called Barb and Goldie. So if you go into Barb and Goldie, you can check out all of her adventures. And there's quite a bit of people that show up for her private uh, adventures that she does all over the state and even out of the country. And uh, Goldie is her little Labrador retriever anyway. Anyway, she uh, she has this video, and we're going to uh, make that the main focus of our discussion here. So if you want to go on YouTube and type in Barb Shoop, S-H-U-P-E, Barb, and look up cloaker video, like something cloaking, that's what we're going to talk about because Barb caught something on camera. She saw something with her own eyes, had the wherewithal to be the camera woman pointing in the right direction, and she caught something that's right out of the Predator poking around in the brush, I guess. It's pretty interesting. And uh, so we're going to break that down. We're going to talk to Barb about some other stuff, too. And then we had a uh, gal by the name of Stephanie 
come up out of the crowd and sit on stage with me after the show and record a conversation with her. And, um, interesting conversation with uh, a local from Port Townsend that knows some of the historical uh, stuff that has happened there and is happening. So stick around for that. Also stick around for the end of the show here. I've got uh, a few interesting words to say about trolls. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's start our show here, why don't we? All right, good to have you here, Mrs. Shoup. What an environment we set before you. This is like perfect for your costume. This is amazing. Yes. <laughs> we've, got, we've got a lot to talk about, and we kind of got the rest of the night to do it. So for people that don't know your story, tell them a little bit about how you got mixed up in this whole cryptid world. Oh, wow. Get it's a long story. Get, get <laughs> nice and tight on that mic. There you go. Okay, so um, I live in a little tiny community of Greenwater north of Mount Rainier. Um, the very first time I, I took a walk up the trail behind my cabin, I found uh, broken trees and a perfect footprint, huge footprint. And um, I had always had a, an interest in Sasquatch since I was a kid. And when I saw that, I, I knew what it was. But, you know, that was 20 years ago. And back then, I was under the impression that it was one lone individual that was just passing through to more remote areas. I never would have figured that there was a whole family who was up on the mountain behind my cabin as full-time residents. Um, over the years, there were so many strange things that would happen, and um, you know, owls that growled and rocks being thrown at us, things like that. There were a few times that um, I'd think to myself, you know, I wonder if that's a Sasquatch. Is that something a Sasquatch would do? And then I'd immediately talk myself out of it by saying well, this is a small town. If there were Sasquatch around here, we'd know about it. There, it couldn't be. And then um, November 1st, 2012, I took my dog for a hike up to the top of the mountain behind the cabin, and it had been years since I'd been up there. Uh, we got up to the top, almost to the top, and there's a spot by the trail where uh, the view kind of opened up, and there's a nice stump right there beside the trail to sit on, so I figured, okay, we'll take a little break here before the last push to the top of the mountain. And while I'm sitting there, I start hearing this bizarre talking from the woods just below me. And, um, you know, I had heard at that point, I'd heard of the Sierra sounds, and, and but I didn't believe it. You know, back then I was still thinking just another form of wildlife. You know, wildlife can't talk. What I was thinking was, I was thinking of all the horror movies that I'd ever seen, and we got some mutants out here. That's what I was thinking. And um, <laughs> yeah. Mutants, all right. Well, it, it didn't sound like samurai chatter. It, it sounded maybe... Germanish, if anything. So, okay. and it, maybe there was some mutant German hunters down there, you know, something like that. I didn't know what it was. Oh, those guys <laughs> yeah. being German, <laughs> right? So, um, <laughs> being up there just myself and my dog, you know, the whole point of going up there was because uh, a local timber faller, an, an old retired fellow, had told me that he knew where the Sasquatches lived, that they lived in the, the valley behind the mountain, behind the cabin because back in the 70s, they had been logging up there, and uh, big oil drums and equipment and stuff had been tossed off down into the canyon that where the creek comes from that flows past my cabin. So I was that was my whole thing, to go up there that day. I had a couple of good sticks in my backpack, and I was going to go up and make some knocks and see if I could get some kind of response. 
So here I'm sitting there listening to this strange talking, thinking, not even thinking Sasquatch. And, but, you know, if there are hunters that are down there, I don't want them shooting. So right. I figured, well, and I don't really want them to know that I'm a female out here by myself either. So what do I do? I get my sticks out and I make a knock and it stops immediately. You know, it, that was it. So I'm sitting there and I'm listening some more. Nothing else happens. And I'm thinking, okay, the time is, time's flying. It's getting late. Let's get to the top of the hill. So I stand up and immediately right behind me, I hear this deep guttural, this grunt. Well, right behind me, you know, the brush was so thick you couldn't see a foot into it. So I don't, you know, I'm thinking there must be a bear just on the other side of these bushes and it's time to move on up the hill. So right. we, we get up to the top. I get my sticks out, you know, I'm looking at this canyon where the creek flows way down there and I do some knocks, no response. I was so disappointed, no Bigfoot activity up there. So it's getting late in the day, we start back down and uh, there's this one stretch of trail where it gets down onto a logging road and the logging road goes down and there's like this switchback, but instead of taking the switchback, the trail, I just went ahead and took the trail that's between the upper and lower stretches of road. And at that point, it had been selectively logged through there. So it was really open. You could see clearly for a good distance. And we're halfway down this little narrow stretch of trail between the upper and lower roads, and I hear this very human-like whistle right beside me on the trail, and it's like, there's nobody there. And immediately at the bottom of the trail by the logging road, there's another whistle. There's nobody there. And, you know, me and the dog are looking at each other, and we're looking around, and... Okay, I don't know what that was. Must have been the elk, you know. I've been around the elk for many, many years and never heard anything quite like that. But, you know, must have been the elk. Right. That's what you chalk them up to, something that you know, something you're aware of. So we keep walking. We get down to the lower stretch of the road. And, and from that point, the, road, the trail is really steep and rutted out. So from that point, we decided to go ahead and go down the logging road. So my dog's walking ahead of me. <laughs> And we get to this kind of a bend in the road, and we go around the bend. She stops, and she looks back at me, so I know there's something up around the bend. I take a few more steps, and sure enough, there's a couple of elk standing in the road. Okay, that's what it was. It was elk. So we go on down around the next switch back, and I look up, and there's the whole herd of elk up on the bank. Oh, wow, cool. There's the whole herd, and we just keep walking. And the next thing I know, I hear this, I can feel it, the, the thundering of hooves as they all come down across the road behind me and run through the woods off to the side. And it's, wow, there goes the elk. And then it's like, what is that? Gorilla? We don't have any gorilla. Oh, my God, it's Bigfoot. <laughs> and he's just kind of off at this angle from me. And he, at, when I first looked and saw him, he's facing me. And as soon as I saw him, he turned, and, he, and it was just profile, and he went right off in the same direction as the elk, although the elk were running at top speed. He appeared to be just floating along, just walking. And I watched him. I could only see him from about chest up. So I could see his head and his shoulders. I could see this huge crown where his head went back and this big cone, um, massive jaw. He had this big, big brow ridge where above it instead of having a forehead like this it went straight back it was like scooped out over his eyes but he had these two bony ridges that went up the side like this and his his skin was pasty pale white and his eyes seemed to be black his hair was black and had a little bit of wave to it and I can remember thinking you know with a good brushing that'd be a beautiful coat <laughs> but my thought was should I be afraid 
And, and I thought to myself, well, you know, you spent the last 30 years in the woods, most of the time by yourself. You've never been afraid before. Why should you be afraid now? If they wanted to get you, they would have got you a long time ago, you know? And if, if you're gonna be afraid, that's a conscious decision to be afraid. And if, that, if I make that decision, I, my life will never be the same again. I'll never be able to go outside again. And I didn't feel like I was threatened, so why should I be afraid? His focus appeared to be on the elk. He wasn't looking at me, he was looking at them. So we just stood there and watched him go by, and he got just to the edge of this tree line where there was, he was above the, the final leaves of, of, of the maple, the vine maple that hadn't com come completely down yet. And I'm thinking, okay, one more step, and I'm gonna see the full figure. And he took that one more step, and he wasn't there anymore. It was like he walked behind an invisible wall. He just vanished into thin air. And at that point in time, I had never heard of cloaking before. It wasn't an option. I didn't, that wasn't something that I was even, even beginning to be capable of understanding. So I stood there for probably 10 minutes and I stared at that spot trying to figure out where it went. And I finally took my eyes off that spot and I looked down at Gabby, my dog. She's standing beside me and she's staring right at that same spot too. She hadn't moved a muscle, didn't move, not, a, not an inch. And we looked at each other and it's like, <laughs> it's getting dark, we better go. <laughs> so I spent the next two days just trying to wrap my head around what I'd seen. For the next two weeks after that, I made several trips back up to that spot and I looked at that where I was and where he was the lay of the land, trying to rationalize what I had seen. And finally it came down to, well, he must have dropped to the ground faster than my eyes could perceive and then crawled away behind a rise of ground. Well, that was a rational explanation and now I could finally tell people that I saw Bigfoot because, I mean, it's hard enough to say, hey, I saw Bigfoot. And then, but yeah, he just vanished into thin air. That was just right. too far. Right. <laughs> How do you do that? Yeah, you weren't ready. <laughs> So once I had that part of it rationalized, um, I contacted the BFRO and I made a report. I started asking my neighbors, um, people that come into the store, locals, if they'd ever seen anything. I was shocked at how many people had had experiences. You know, it, it's, it's a small town and when you're in a small town, people talk and you pretty much know everything there is to know about everybody. But there are certain things that people don't talk about unless you ask them. And there were a lot, of, a lot of stories that came out. And there were, there were a lot of people that wouldn't say a word if there was anybody else around, you know? It's, right. And then there were the people that it opened up conversation and they didn't even realize they'd had an experience until they, we started talking about it. And, and it, it'd be along the lines of, you mean they throw things? Right. We thought that was kids messing with us. Yeah. You know, or they, the, the Ohio howl type screams, you know, we've heard those up there before and, and people would chalk that up to, well, it must have been a sick elk. Or, you know, you're, if you don't already have Sasquatch in your mind as something that's a real option, your brain is never going to go there when you're trying to rationalize what you're experiencing. It's going to be the last thing that you think of because it's not an option. Like, like cloaking, it wasn't an option. No. So yeah. that is that where the Greenwater book came from? Is that you won the? Did you put that book out at the little store? 
Well, originally my boss that owned okay. the store at the time bought the book okay. and put it out and so we could collect reports that way. And then uh, we filled that one up and got another book and filled that one up. Well, then he sold the store and he took the books with him. Oh, he did? He did. Uh. So the new owner put a book out too, but nobody really uses that one. It's mostly just, you know, say I've right. been here, or, you know, I yeah, know yeah. Bigfoot, that's my brother-in-law <laughs> or, you know, something like that. So... Now, yeah. have they ever been seen right there in the town of Greenwater by the store? They have, yeah. They Tell have us about that. Um, well, there's several times, several things that have happened. Um, the most recent was... Um, and bring that mic in a little bit closer. It kind of wants to bend down. There you go. Um, this last year, my Gabby dog passed away, and uh, it broke my heart. Um, there was a lot of uh, a lot of support came from the Barb and Gabby fans from our group. We have a very close group of people that go out and spend time in the woods together. And um, we had a memorial at the cabin, and we decorated with the fall leaves. And uh, the forest people decorated the bridge with fall leaves in support right. for Gabby. Well, it was about. Um, January, I think, that I started thinking about, okay, the spring spring is coming, I'm going to get a dog. And it, it popped into my head that, well, you know, you're getting kind of old, and how many dogs are you going to have in your life? You know, I've had a red dog, and I had a black dog, and I had a multicolored dog. Maybe it's time for me to have a gold dog. And this just kind of popped into my head. Well, then, this guy that I work with lives behind the store. And uh, I mentioned to him one day, you know, I'm thinking maybe I should have a gold puppy. Next time I should have a gold one. Well, then a couple of weeks later, he comes in and he says, you're never going to believe this. He says, my dog, who is an Australian shepherd, had a litter of 11 puppies. They're all either black or black and gray spotted, but there's one, one gold puppy <laughs> in the litter. <laughs> so within a few days of the puppies being born, they were having rocks thrown at the cabin. Um, I have a good friend who lives right next door to them. She got up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night and looked out the window and was eye to eye with a full-grown mature Sasquatch that just looked at her and then slipped off around the corner in the direction of the cabin where the puppies were. Also, the puppy was the one, the one puppy that was born outside. They thought that the mom was done giving birth and had let her go out to go potty. And uh, when he let her back in, the door was that far from being closed, and there was four feet of snow outside. And some little tiny sound caught his attention. He went out and looked, and he found the little gold puppy out in the snow. So, uh, oh. so that's my goldie girl. Wow. She's, <laughs> she fixed my broken heart. Yeah. Yeah. So before that, there were a lot of experiences, reports that would come from the campground around the store and, and other places. Uh, okay. A friend had a, a bus that was rocked. Um, sightings, cross, road crossings right there by the store, strange lights, lights across the river, footprints on the, the gravel bar that's in the middle of the river, mm -hmm. things like that. But the story of around Goldie, that, that's my favorite. Yeah. Now, there's, there's yuppies that have moved in up there, too, from the big city, <laughs> and they're not accustomed to you know folklore being folk fact. Have they had stuff happen, too? I mean, have you heard stories about the, the um, city folk getting messed with, or is it mostly people? Because Tom Powell has this theory, right, that it's people that are kind of entrenched and live there, and 
they have this air about them. But I, I wonder about the city folk getting stuff. Well, you know, the, it seems like the people that want to talk to me that have reports are the, are the ones that have been there mm -hmm. for a long time. They're the more down-to-earth ones. Right. The people that are worried about their reputations, the, the ones that are worried that somebody's going to think they're crazy, they don't want to talk about it. So if right. they've had an experience or not, they're not going to acknowledge it. Um, most of the reports that I get at the store anymore are when I eavesdrop on people's conversations because they'll yeah. come in and they'll see my sticker display with the Bigfoot stuff and it always starts off with, oh my God, you know those are real? And they'll tell their story to their friend yeah. and uh, that, that's where a lot of the reports come from now. But things like skiers that um, have something cross the road in front of them. I had a girl in there about a year ago that was still feeling traumatized. She was on her way up to the ski resort and... Um, uh, just about just as they were about to turn off up to Crystal Mountain Boulevard, one crossed the road right in front of her, and she said it turned her head and looked at her, turned its head and looked at her, and it it had red glowing eyes, and so it wasn't seeing the Sasquatch that traumatized her; it was seeing those red glowing eyes looking at her, that uh, freaked her out. So explain to people what you mean glowing and compared to eye shine. Eye shine is like a reflective thing, you know, like when uh, you're out in the woods at night and, and you shine your light on a deer or your dog or the cat, you know, and you get that reflective glint, you know, as, as the light hits it just right. Mm -hmm. When the Sasquatch's eyes glow, it's completely different. It's, it's, it's like an internal light. It's something that they can turn on and off. It, um, they can change the color. They can... I didn't know that. Yeah. They can yeah. change the color. They can change the color. Have you seen that? I have. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. I, um, one of my favorite stories of seeing the eye glow, um, the first time I went to the Blue Mountains, um, Tom's old stomping grounds, he's the one that took us there the first time. Um, I had already seen it two nights right at the edge of camp, and it was, you know, almond-shaped eyes about so big that right at the edge of camp they just turned on and turned off. And then uh, one night we were going to have a, a night sit down at this lower area where we all go and sit in a circle facing outward and look for sparkles, eye glow, shines, little lights, anything, you know, just sitting there in the dark, see what's going to happen. And there was, a, a, I don't know, seven or eight of us. We got down to this spot, and I realized that there was a friend that wasn't with us. So I went back up to the main cabin, the guard station where we were staying to let her know where we were. And, of course, she was inside having a conversation with Tom, and, and I told her what was going on. So as walking back down there, you know, it's pitch black. You know, there's no moon. We're underneath the trees. And as I'm walking past where my tent is, I look over, and about 10 feet off the ground, there's two tennis ball-sized red eyes watching me. And what do I do? Instead of stopping and saying hello, I just said... I'm going to go sit with everybody and look for eye shine, and I just kept walking. <laughs> okay. But he was right there beside my tent. You know, it's... And they were literally big tennis ball-sized. Yeah, yeah, that's almost like a baseball size. That yeah. You're doing. Okay. The, the last time I saw him was uh, a trip there uh, the year before last. And there's two buildings that are relatively close and we heard a big bang on one of the buildings, which got our attention, and I started looking in that direction. Everybody else had their back that way, and right at the corner of the one building about so far off the ground, so I would imagine he was, must have been squatted down. There were uh, 
white eyes with a kind of a, a grayish white with a like a, a yellowish tint in them that just turned on and turned off. And it's not a matter of, of opening and closing their eyes. They're, they were open and they like just... Like a dimmer switch? Nope, just on and off. Oh, blink. They <laughs> yeah. blink on and off. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's even creepier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that is cool. But yeah. the eye color change, I'd never heard of till today. Yeah. Hmm. Has anybody else seen the eye color change on a Sasquatch? Yeah, Tom, yeah, you have. Sherlock knows. All right. Okay, interesting. So this whole idea that we have something highly supernatural and paranormally charged, like Bigfoot is, there I said it, um, you go on to capture, and we're going to talk a little bit about this here in a bit, this incredible video here of something cloaking, and when I first got involved with this, I talked to long-term witnesses because that's what Sally Shepard Welford said to do. I don't know if you know who that is, but she wrote this book Valley called the Val Skookum. Valley of the Skookum, right? Excellent And she book. said, if you're ever going to get involved, and so did Autumn, with knowing more about Bigfoot stuff, it's getting involved with people that live with it. And so I tell you what, as soon as you get involved with talking to people that live with this phenomenon, let's say backyard Bigfoot phenomena, they usually have the crazier stories, right? And so knowing the fact that you have this crazy video that we're going to show here, um, this stuff gets really personal really quick. I mean, it's fun and games for the fact that it's really amazing what happens, but, I mean, this stuff really happens, right? The supernatural is entirely entrenched in this phenomena. So how has that changed your worldview? Because it has to. And what oh, has it done yeah. to you personally? I mean, it, it, it's probably not all been good. I mean, there's probably been some ramifications. Well, when the video, we first got it on camera, you know, up until that point, I'd been making YouTube videos every week, just going out in the woods and, and documenting whatever happens. And, you know, whether it was structures or vocals or footprints, you know, whatever happened. I also, back in those days, I gifted every week. I'd go out and I'd leave pies and jars of peanut butter. And, you know, I'd never had a bad experience with the Sasquatch. Right. You know, um, so that was one of our first campouts. I think it was the second campout, group campout we had. And, and I'd taken some people up the trail behind the cabin just to show them some structures, just going to give them a little tour of some of the broken trees and interesting things that were up there. Mm -hmm. And at that point in time, I used to always have my camera attached to my walking stick, and it was just on just in case. You know, I wasn't, wasn't like focusing in on where I was filming. It was just on. So I'm standing there, and I'm point, we're talking about this tree. You know, things happen. I saw, what I saw was a, a Sasquatch jump off and run off, and, and the camera happened to be pointed in the right direction, you know, so awesome, maybe we got something, so, you know, we, we finished what we were doing, and, and later on that night, got back to camp and took a look at what I had on camera, and put it on a bigger screen, and looked at it again, and put it on a really big screen, and <laughs> by the time we got to the really big screen, I just kind of sat down and cried, because this was just it was such a shock to the system. Even though I had seen that Sasquatch disappear, what, two years before, I had rationalized that. Right. I had turned it into something that my brain could accept. 
And all the videos that I had been making and all the things, all the documenting I had been doing had been based on a total physical being. Oh, up to that point? Up to that point. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. so I, I, the whole woo thing was alien to me until that point. And what did you think of those people? I just kind of thought they were crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just, I didn't go there. That wasn't, right. you know, I don't watch other people's videos on YouTube. Right. You know, and, you know, when I do hear things like that, even the talking, you know, Ron's Sierra sounds. When I first started this, I thought the idea that they had language was crazy. Right. So to go from, okay, here is a form of wildlife that can talk and they can turn invisible. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it was. Just we know how this sounds, by the way, because <laughs> the words are coming out of our mouth and we hear it. It sounds nuts. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it was it was really hard for me to process because that those weren't options when I started this. Right. You know it. It wasn't until I actually experienced them firsthand, and suddenly you find your mind has become really expanded, mm -hmm. and the. The more you get into it and the more experiences you have with that, the more it gets to be that you, you're just not surprised by these things anymore. You what, know? Do we, what do we know about the area where you saw this happen? Is there, is there any kind of Native American implications? Is there anything there geologically that, that would amp up it being like a power place? Do we know... Well, you know, it, it's right on the river, uh, on a glacier river off of Mount Rainier, okay. which if anybody's ever read Valley of the Skookum, the stories in that book are also on a carbon, on the Carbon River, which is also a glacier river off of Mount Rainier. Mm -hmm. And um, everything that she talks about in that book are the same things that we experience in Greenwater. Right. And, you know, if, I, you know, this is just pure speculation, you know, but I think that the river is full of silt that's getting washed down and all those particles. That's a, that's a big river, it's a powerful river. And all that silt's gotta rub against e itself. And that's gotta create some kind of spark, some kind of energy. And, and personally, I think that the rivers, that silt coming down in the river is, is what creates the energy that they use to do what they do mm -hmm. for some of the lights and, and, and some of the stranger things that uh, happen. You know, mm -hmm. I think that they're drawn to it. How they use it, I don't know how they tap into it, but I think that the glacier mm -hmm. water has something to do with it. Now, it's a short video. When you see this, it's not a five-minute video at all, but it's it's a pretty powerful one, um, and we're going to play it here. But before we do, have you ever been um, visited by anybody because of this video about pulling it, it maybe? Like men in black? Whatever. Nope. Nothing <laughs> like that. No. No. <laughs> Nope. Have you received a lot of ridicule? Uh, probably, but I don't really pay attention. Right. You know, so as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and nobody's going to tell me that I'm right or I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just going to do it, and if you like it, great, and if you don't like it, well, mm -hmm. that's your problem. You're really only going to hurt my feelings if I already have a lot of respect and care about you. <laughs> right. So if you're somebody that I don't know and yeah. you don't like it, I yeah. don't care. No pound <laughs> so, sand. Yeah. But no one's ever made you question what you filmed. You still see. Oh, no. What's I, in the I know image. what I know. Yeah. Yeah. I know what was there. Yeah. I know what I saw. I can't tell you what the camera picked up because what the camera picked up isn't what I saw. What uh -huh. I saw was a flesh and bread, blood creature stood up, turned, and ran. Um, when we went back the next day, you could see the trackway that it left. There mm -hmm. were nine inch prints. We found a second trackway. 
that went back and behind a pile of logs and came back to where the first one was. And yeah. um, Thinker Thunker did an evaluation of the film, and he found that just before the event happened, there were trees in the background that bent. Mm-hmm. And right in that cluster of trees is where the deepest footprint was, where something pushed off of it with enough force that it, it the footprint was that far down into the ground, and the trees were that big around where it had been bent. And um, at the same time this was happening, my dad and his wife were sitting up the, the, on the main trail just about 100 feet away. They um, heard the commotion. Um, she had a little dog in her lap. The dog looks this way and I'm thinking when it happened I'm thinking maybe they saw it run across the trail but it never did right she looked across the trail and she's described what she said was a small baby monkey came head first down the tree and disappeared into the bushes so we know that there were at least two the two trackways were both nine inch prints um, two individuals juveniles that were the same size whether they were twins siblings cousins I don't know but they also had a baby mm-hmm. um, Sandy was there not long after that, she came through. She didn't know any of this had happened at the time, but when she came through, she heard a mother calling the children. Oh, really? And she was actually gave me a hard time because she thought I was talking to our campers like they were children. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that it wasn't us. We had gone in the other direction. But um, well, let's let's uh, let's show people this. Here. I'm going to take these off. And the person in the back that's closest to the cook's door back there, there is a dimmer knob switch back there that's going to control. Actually, we want to work the one over here by the couch when we get the chance. So let me uh, let me come over here to the computer. If you see that. Uh, show the original clip first, and then and then we can do the zoomed and looped one. Yeah. Did anybody see anything there? Yeah, because it's yeah. it's in the background. It was about oh, it was about uh, eighty feet in front of me. Okay, go ahead and show them the the zoomed and loop version. Okay, you can see the horizontal log right behind it. When I saw it was when it popped up on the back side of that log and took off running to the left. It was about five feet tall, covered in black hair, had no neck. It, it was almost triangular shaped. So what you're seeing here, I don't know if that's one individual. I don't know if that's two individuals. But it went down and it popped up on the back side of that log and took off running. It was all arms and legs. Yeah. And if anybody's having trouble seeing it on the screen, I can show you later here on the computer. But I'll just I'll leave that playing there so it can recycle. Okay, you can turn that up a little bit more there on the dimmer there. Thank you, impromptu light technician. Um, yeah, I mean, I can clearly, I can see it because I'm, 
I'm looking at a HD screen here, but people can go online and look at this too. So you plainly see the silhouette of some little, well, it looks smaller, but it's not. It's bigger. It, w it was only, it was slightly shorter than Sandy, and Sandy's, what are you, 5'5"? Five, 5'2". Five? Five, five, two. Yeah. yeah, so it, it was about five feet tall. Yeah, okay. It was, wasn't huge. No. And it left nine-inch tracks, which... Pull that mic on you oh, just a little bit. The trackway of nine-inch prints. Yeah. Yeah, that would put it right at about five feet tall. Okay. So what has happened since in that area? Is this a hot spot that you still go to? Oh, yeah, this is only, you know, as the bird flies, maybe mm -hmm. a few hundred feet from my cabin. Wow, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is this near where you saw the red lights? Uh, no, that was over in the Blue Mountains. Oh, I mean when you played the drum. You said, I think you said that when you played Aaron's drum, you had oh. little red lights. Did you say that? No, no, it was, I, that was, the drum felt like it was singing. Okay, yeah. I thought I thought you saw lights when you played it, but I no, guess no. not. No, I've okay. seen a lot of lights, though, but not, not with the drum. Okay, no. so what, what do you think the connection is with these weird lights and this phenomena? Do you think that's them? You know... Somehow or another, the lights are associated with the Sasquatches. I'm not sure how. Um, one of the first things that happened that, that made it very clear to us that these are part of it. Because, you know, you go, you go out looking for Sasquatch and you have the sparkly lights, you have the flashing lights, you have the burst of lights. Uh, the year before last, at uh, our Greenwater camp out, Sandy and Kevin were in their tent and they had uh, the sparkles that came into their tent. Right. Um, that same camp out, people had the flashes of light. They had um, beams of light. The sparkles that were in their tent came with a young Sasquatch that they named Click, who sat on the outside of their tent and communicated with Kevin for mm -hmm. a few hours. So we know that the sparkles come and go with the Sasquatches. Um, this last May at our Greenwater camp out, um, it was 2.30 in the morning. I had just gone into my tent. I had Goldie. She was six and a half weeks old. I had just stuffed her into my sleeping bag with me. And a brilliant light comes on and illuminates the entire front of my tent. And when it comes on, it shows the outline of an upright figure inches from my tent wall. The light goes from, and it shifted. I could see tree limbs in the shadows. The trees were limbed up high. This light was coming from up above. The light shifted down to the lower corner of the tent. The figure disappeared, and a portal in my tent opened. It just went open and closed, and it just showed me somebody's living room somewhere with a brick fireplace and two couches, and it just wow. opened and closed. And after... The portal closed, the little light was still down there. What had been a massive light was still in the lower corner. A gray silvery mist formed right there where the portal was and it changed from one face to another. It, I believe this was their way of showing me the different faces of the Sasquatch people. Some of them were very ape-like, some of them were more human-like, but very, very robust. And it just morphed from one face into another face into another face. And I just laid there and watched that until I fell asleep. 
Wow, this gray mist was kind of like an yeah, etch-a-sketch, yeah. and it just yeah. <laughs> it just kind of misted in, the, all yeah. these faces. Kind and of a this, silvery mist. This was like three days before we got there, wasn't it? No, no, that you guys came in July. This was in May. Okay, gotcha. But yeah. you had a did you have something similar happen in your tent as well before we got there? Or maybe you were speaking about this incident. I might. This may these. have been it. Yeah. Okay. But we, it's gotten to the point now where we we've become very accustomed to having the lights. When we go on our campouts, mm -hmm. you know, you wake up in the middle of the night and you don't know what woke you up right. or, you know, you'll just be laying there trying to go to sleep and all of a sudden the big lights come, you know, and whether it's a big beam that's shining on your tent, whether it's the sparkles that are actually in your tent. Mm -hmm. um, and different, yeah. different sizes, different colors, different yeah. consistency. They can be round. They can be burst. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. We had um, a woman from Scotland that comes periodically to join us, and she's always been terrified. She, you know, she won't go down to the potty tent by herself. She's, she's, she tries to be brave. Um, her and David, who's sitting back here, uh, were the last two by the fire pit one night, and they saw some large bursts of light nearby. And uh, within a few minutes, they heard a very strange pinging sound just above them, and uh, Yvonne's uh, fear vanished. And from that point on, she was the one has been the one that offers to take other people to the potty tent at night. Really? Yeah. They hmm. took her fear away from her. Wow, it's almost like they kind of downloaded a good vibes on her or yeah. something. Yeah, but see, these things are always like in association with these mm -hmm. lights, you know? Now, there's been UFOs spotted, too, over this yeah. area, like... Yeah. Large size triangular craft. Yep. That was the same camp out where I had uh, the, the okay. figure and, and the portal. That was the same camp out just a few days before. Okay. Yeah. And do we have witnesses that saw this large triangle? I think there was somebody. Um, there's a hand went up okay. back there. Yeah. Maybe we can talk about that here uh, after the show, too. I'd like to hear more about that. Yeah. Have you seen these, too? Have you, is it one certain type of craft that's seen over the tree line or is it multiple different types i don't know uh, the, personally i've only seen the lights i haven't seen, oh you haven't seen i haven't okay. seen a craft I've, I've seen the lights yeah but not not a an actual craft that they come right from. yeah hmm. what else is out there besides do you, is there a ghost as well in that area are there things that well you know i used to work at the local tavern and that was so haunted you know for years, you know, you'd hear the ghost stories about the tavern, and then the years that I spent working there, I had so many experiences. But in hindsight, you know, I look back at it now, and it makes me wonder, okay, was was were those experiences ghosts? Were those experiences Sasquatch? Right. You know, because here's the tavern is right there in the woods, and a lot of the things that happened were focused on the outside of the building. Right. You know, Um I saw orbs in the parking lot there with my bare eyes. It wasn't something that I got a picture of on camera. I just saw them going through, you know, things like that. And so I don't know, I don't know if the difference. How do you tell the difference? Um, something that happened just about a year ago, you know, after Gabby passed away, um, to go to my cabin, and I think I sent you a picture of this as an example. Oh, um, you want me to bring that image sure, up? Yeah, ahead, let me bring that this up. up. You talk, and I'll bring it up. So. Um, I was on my way back to the cabin one night, about 10, 11 o'clock, and 
the, you got to go over a bridge over the Greenwater River, and the road kind of curves down to the bridge. And as I'm starting the descent on this part of the road, I can see there's something on the bridge. And as I'm getting down lower and the tree branches are out of the way, it's, it's like a cloud person. It's like somebody has got their back to me and it's like they're all hunched over. Like if somebody was walking through a storm and they had their hands in their pockets and they're just all hunched over and they're walking to the far end of the bridge. Except it was, they weren't like a solid white, they had like gray paler spots where they were translucent. And I didn't know what it was, I thought I was seeing a ghost. It, it walked to the far end of the bridge and just vanished. And uh, within a few nights of that, I had a dream about being in the river and uh, looking up and there was a Sasquatch on the far side of the river. And I waved and he looked at me and I saw from one side it was like a, another Sasquatch just bolted off through the woods just so fast. And then on this side there was like the cloud person took off like what I saw on the bridge just took off through the woods so fast. And then on this side, it was just the, the shimmer, the, sh the something in the shape of a Sasquatch, but it shimmered and it took off. And then on this side, there was nothing. It was just the bushes and, and the vegetation being mowed down. And I took that as, as a, a message that they were teaching me the different phases or the different kinds of, of cloaking, right. showing me how that works. When we did a, a reenactment with, we did it twice, once with Tom and once with David, where I had my car parked right there where, because I mean, it, I saw it long enough that I got to the bottom of the hill and stopped before I drove over the bridge watching it. And we put them in the spot where I first saw it and had them walk to the far end of the bridge. Well, in as many steps as what I saw the cloud person take from the middle of the bridge to the far end, it, it only took four or five steps. But when these guys took four or five steps, they went from one post to the next post, and there's like four more posts to get to the far end of the bridge. Right. You know, they were considerably smaller than, than the cloud person was. Wow. So that, that was how we reenacted it anyway, was putting, putting a person there and having them do it. Yeah. And that's quite so the this, reproduction. This isn't an actual photo of <laughs> right. it. This was just for demonstration purposes. I took a picture of the bridge and just drew in what I saw. Wow. Um, did you have a question? Or are you just stretching? Oh, no. Okay. No, no. Uh, um, have you noticed any kind of latent abilities in your own life, either in the sleeping state or maybe more psychic uh, abilities on your end that have happened since you've had encounters with these cryptids? Um, you know, other than feeling like I'm getting messages in dreams sometimes, right? you know, things pop into your head. You get ideas and, and you wonder where they came from. Things, mm -hmm. things that you experience or think about and suddenly within hours or days, that experience will come to you. Right. You know, things like that. You know, I, I can't say that I'm more psychic or less psychic or anything like mm -hmm. that other than strange things happen. <laughs> <laughs> really what about strange in your, things. In your, okay, in your own family line, is there any history at all of abduction or anything close to no. that? No. Not on your No, but side? my dad really wants to be abducted. <laughs> 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 Do you want him to be abducted too? <laughs> no, no, okay. I don't want him okay. to be. No, right. no, but he, no, there's no history of that as far as I know. Other than, yeah. than my dad really wants them to come and get him. So. <laughs> All right. 
I'd never heard that before as a strong wish. <laughs> Come on in, folks. Yeah, there's a door right there if you want. Um, interesting. All right. Well, um, this is a, an opportunity here. I'm going to open up the floor for people that may have questions for Barb. Uh, if you have any specifics here about uh, her sighting, about cloaking. Has anybody else seen anything that cloaks at all uh, besides I know Tom has before but the idea that something can go translucent I know is a hard one but the, I mean if you hadn't seen this video before you can like I said you can go online and look at it um, but it's a uh, it's a rare opportunity to actually catch something like this on video um, what do you think some of the misnomers are about this phenomena Barb as far as who these people I'm going to call them people, who these people are. I have no idea. I, they're definitely another kind of people. And, you know, I think... I mean, do, were, you, do you think there's bad ones? There may be. I haven't come across a bad one yet. You yeah. Know? There's maybe things that um, are out there that when they're not there, other things come in. Right. There, there may be a few that aren't, aren't, aren't the family oriented ones that we're used to you know there may right. be somebody out there that's not so friendly but i haven't come across that no i mean for the most part when you get involved with this you talk to people that don't have traumatic experiences but the ones that do they really turn into the fact that there's a monster out in the woods and that that's just something yeah. i'm not familiar with see that i the whole monster thing you know that that's for movies. That's for people that want to go out and get scared. The reality of it is they're mm. not monsters. They're just different than us. You know, they're bigger. You know, they're unknown. Right. The unknown is always scary. You know, things that are bigger than us are always scary. Yeah. But I've never had an experience where I actually felt like I was threatened. You know, there's... I haven't either. I mean... <laughs> I'm more in awe of anything. You know, back in the beginning... There were things that would happen, and, and you kind of feel your heart go up into your throat and kind of catch there, and the adrenaline rush is really intense, and, and the next day you kind of feel like you're hungover just from the adrenaline. Yeah. But I don't even really get that anymore. You know, it's, no. It's an old <laughs> hat for you. It is. It's, it's pretty comfortable. And you have campouts uh, that aren't exactly open enrollment campouts. You have people that want to go on these campouts, and you kind of have to vet them because their minds are blown, right? I mean, there's a learning curve to this. There is. And, you know, I think part of the reason that our campouts are so successful is, you know, the people that when we gather, we each bring our own energy and our, and our own experiences. And a lot of our members in our group, you know, have their own thing going on that, that they've been doing for years on their own. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you bring that all together and, and you know, it's greater than just having us together right. builds such a, a tremendous amount of positive energy that I think it, it really attracts, you know, whoever's out there. Sometimes I think they look forward to it as much as we do. Yeah. And, you know, when you get, we don't, we don't have room for people that are going to be out there to blow that kind of energy. You know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> we're there having fun and having amazing experiences. And, yeah. you, you know, you get your one person that's going to, you know, just kind of put a kink in everything. Well, we don't need that. And uh, I mean, it's guys, gals, you have kids there that show yeah. up. It's kind of pet friendly too. And um, I, what's the largest group that you've put together? 
I mean, have you had more than 40 or 50 oh, people? Oh, no, no. Okay. Um, we try to limit it to 20, but, you know, yeah. I think the most that we've ever had at one time was maybe 25. Yeah. And, uh, and activity still happens. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we spread out. When we go in, we try to take over a whole area, you know, so right. it's just us. We don't, you know, we don't want other campers in the area that don't know what we're doing. We don't, first of all, we don't want to freak people out, right? you know, that it just happen to wind up camping next to us. We don't want to scare anybody. <laughs> and, right. uh, yeah, we just, we don't want anybody hoaxing us. We don't want somebody coming in and just playing games with us, you know. So right. when we go in, we, we spread out over an area, and then uh, we've got our main campsite where we come and have our meals and, right. and our, our fire. And Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty wow. cool. It is cool. So when's the next one? We've just wrapped up our last one for this year up in British Columbia a couple of weeks ago, and, and uh, we haven't made any new plans for You've the You've gone next international with Barb and Goldie? Yeah. What? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Vancouver, Brian Bland style? Yep. Okay. Yep. I've seen the pictures. All right. That's a beautiful cut of country. Oh, it was fantastic. It yeah. was amazing. Yeah. Beautiful yeah. place. So stuff's coming up in 2020, and there's a conference coming up. Plug the conference. Okay. So the first weekend in April, uh, Sasquatch Rendezvous Conference. It'll be at the Community College or Auburn College, right. Green River College in Auburn. Okay. I guess it's not a community college anymore. Don't know. Yeah. So what the point of this conference is going to be is to connect the physical and the metaphysical to help people that are that are thinking, okay, we've got a form of wildlife here that's pure, purely physical, you know, to go from footprints and tree breaks and all the physical things and connect that to the rest of it because you know there's a big gap in the Bigfoot world you got your apers and you got your woo okay and somewhere in between everybody kind of has to cross that bridge and get where they need to go and you know so we're just going to work on talking about teaching people how to go from one to the other you know but they usually go from one side of the creek to the other they never go from no, you never the, go from no. woo back to aper it no. doesn't work that it way doesn't work that way <laughs> no right <laughs> So you're putting on a two-day conference? Yeah. What days is that again? Uh, April 4th and 5th. And there's flyers back here. Yeah. There's flyers in the bar. There are red yeah. cover flyers and business cards. And yeah. uh, did I see that Rick Knoll? Yes. He's wait not only going to be speaking, he's bringing the Skookum cast. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, that's amazing in itself. He's going to be <laughs> speaking at a woo-covered... Yep. Is there some groundbreaking news that I don't know about? Maybe? Well, just having the Skookum cast is yeah. pretty groundbreaking. <laughs> that's pretty groundbreaking. But there's but he that's would never physical. Gener- that is physical. Yes. And he's going to come and he's going to talk about his experiences. What he's going to share, I don't know exactly. Okay. But we've got uh, we got a great list of speakers. You know, Iran's going to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, Kathy Blount, Tom. Yeah. Um, uh, we've got the exhibits, and it's not just the Skookum cast. We've got another cast uh, that we're going to have. We're going to well, Biggie will be there. You're Big. speaking. Yeah. You're going to be one of our presenters. Yeah. We're going to have a sound bake of vocalizations that you can listen to. It's going to be, we're going heavy on the exhibits and um, vendors. There's going to be all kinds of stuff you can be able to purchase, the metaphysical type things right. or just the regular Bigfoot mm-hmm. stuff, you know, that you'd find at a normal conference. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be cool. Yeah. It should be good. Yeah. Um, 
We're going to bridge the gap. We're going to bridge the gap. And if you don't know Biggie is, he's a, a model that we made for Ron last year. He's an eight and a half foot tall Sasquatch. He damn near touched the ceiling if I had him in here right now. He's four feet wide. Uh, he's a big boy, so he'll be there and then uh, be some good presentations, especially if the Skookum cast is going to show up. I didn't know that. Does anybody, I mean, the Skookum cast is a large size plaster cast. I don't know how many bags. We're talking well over probably 10 bags of 50 pound bags of hydrocal or plaster. And it's supposedly a Sasquatch laying on its side reaching for an apple. And they did a large scale plaster impression of it. That's great. So is it, it must be a reprint he's bringing, not the actual. No, I believe it's the original. Really? Yeah. Okay. So we're going to have Sandy's and Kevin's, we'll call it lady part Sasquatch <laughs> print that's going to show up. I'm going to bring the knees. Rick Knoll's going to bring the torso. It's like a Franken-squatch. We can just <laughs> put them all together. Nice. Does anybody have any feet they can bring? That should be easy to come by. Right. We just need a face. All right, cool. Nice. Is there anything I'm forgetting to plug with you? Anything coming up? Um, I'm working on the campout series from yeah. uh, our British Columbia campout. Got some awesome stuff coming up on that. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, you know what? I put up the video, too, of Tom playing all the drums together. Oh, and I got to send you yeah. the link to that because that's an amazing video. So I'll send that to you as well. Everybody, Barb Shoop. <laughs> Thanks, Barb. Thank you. Thanks, Tobe. Yes. Okay, so here's what we'll do for the rest of the show. Um, why don't we uh, take a five-minute break again? And then if you can hang around, I'd like to bring some people from the audience up here to get some eyewitness testimony because you're in a, you know, you're in a haunted castle with all of us here. Who cares? Uh, if you don't want to use your name, you don't have to. I just want to hear your story. And we can talk about whatever you want. If you have general questions for people, we can do that. If nobody has anything at all that they want to do, then I will play you some sounds uh, from... Port Orchard and Cottage Grove, and we can talk about those, but I'd rather not just go over my stuff that you can hear on the podcast. I'd like some fresh stuff. So what time is it right now? It's uh, 10.05. Why don't we meet back here at 10.15 and um, think about, if you want to do that, I'll play some more mood music, and then uh, for the remainder of the show, hopefully we'll get some eyewitness testimony. All right, again, this show is brought to you by Feral by Aaron, Etsy.com, E-R-Y-N, handcrafted with love. Right here in the Olympic Peninsula, check out Feral by Aaron, drums, rattles, and smudge fans that work. They're incredible pieces for the holidays, and they're approaching. No matter what you're celebrating, something like this would fit good in a stocking or a hat or... I don't know, shove it in your pocket somewhere. <laughs> Some of this stuff might fit in your pocket, but the drums wouldn't. you got to have big pockets for these giant drums. And as I said before, her drums sing. Have you ever had a singing drum? Well, you can now. Check out Feral by Aaron at Etsy.com. All right. Okay, and again, your name? Uh, it's Stephanie. Stephanie. Okay, Stephanie's joined us here. 
live on stage. And Stephanie, you have a story. Uh, my story essentially is about Manresa Castle. I was just talking with, it may have been your wife, out there and thinking of some of the funny things that happened to us here. I had a lot of paranormal experiences. I'm with a paranormal group, okay. the lead investigator with this group. And, um, you know, they to let you know, they all have a sense of humor because just because they crossed over, the spirits crossed over, they're still people. Right. You know? <laughs> and... Um, we had a few actually kind of funny experiences I was telling her about. Uh, up in the turret room on the third floor, Right. Uh, there were three of us investigators. We were sitting up there, and we are really tired. And we got a lot of EVPs that night, but this is just kind of a funny one. We were uh, sitting there and just like, oh, we're so tired and everything. And then we were talking about something, and I looked at one of them. I said, well, we're really professional because Amy Bruni had been there the week before. And, oh, famous, uh, yeah. famous Amy. Yeah, gotcha. she'd been there, and... Um, and I was like, oh, yeah, we're really being professional. We're sitting here just, you know, whatever. And um, when we got back home and we listened to the EVP from it, and I was, like I said, I was telling them outside that um, we heard, you know, I said, oh, this isn't very professional. And the EVP came back, professional, professional. <laughs> and it was a female voice. Right. Clear as day. Yeah. And I thought, they're making fun of us. Yeah. They're making fun of us. You Absolutely. Know? Um, and then another experience I had was in one of the rooms up, I think it's 306, and there's two beds in there, and we were we had already decided to go to bed, but we left our recorders running, uh, everything going through the night. We're one of those teams who let it run through the whole investigation. And right. then we go through hours of, you know, listening to everything and paying attention. Um, but um, I was in bed, and I was, you know, kind of moving around and everything, and I thought, God, something's pulling my shirt. And I thought, well, maybe I'm stuck in something on the bed or whatever. But I kept turning over, and... And a friend of mine who was across the way, the other team member, she goes, what are you doing over there? I can hear you just moving all over. And I said, well, you know, something, you know, with my shirt. And she goes, she said, just don't worry about it. You know, everybody was tired. And when we got home again, went over the EVPs, and um, we could listen and hear me going through my spiel about my shirt and everything. And then you heard, cheap shirt. (laughs) And I'm like, well, yeah, it was a cheap shirt, you know, but hey, you know. Opinionated yeah, one. Opinionated, a female. Yeah. This is, we, we had more interaction with the female. Well, now, uh, there's a guy, William Becker, psychic out of Oregon mm-hmm. City. He was always saying that people should dress the part for the ghost they're looking for, i.e. a gal in a cheap shirt who's not in a blouse. Yeah. Maybe scandalous to a ghost right. from the 1800s. What do right. you think of that? I agree with that. Okay. I agree with that. I did a lot of investigations out of Florida. So where's Washington. your bonnet? Because you're not in <laughs> <laughs> Well, we honestly try to get to the heart of things in a lot of different ways. Okay. I mean, we've, we've done this. I've been in it for, gosh, I did. I had my own group in San Diego for a long time. And then came here and a friend of mine, um, her and I started a group here. Mm-hmm. And we've pretty much covered... Fort Townsend, oh, really? essentially. And we stayed the night here and did an investigation all night. So and, what do you um, think's going on here? Um, it's Essentially, it's the past. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the past. A lot of them hang on to those things. There's Most of them you don't have to worry about as right. a problem. But there is an area here that you do need to worry about and stay away from. Okay. Um, that's just, you know, FYI. But, but it's not a common area. Okay. So don't have to worry about any guests or anything like that having any problems. And why would that area be a hot zone? Do you suspect there was something bad that happened there? Um, I don't know exactly what happened there, but we couldn't get past a certain point because it wouldn't let us. Like an invisible wall? Yeah, like and uh, the EVPs, you could feel it. It was palpable. Okay. And uh, I guess, again, the EVP was telling us to get the hell out. 
Okay. Um, didn't want us past. You, you just knew you did, it did not want us past that point. Hmm. Um, there's, there's just so many things about this castle. The, um, what about this urban legend that I've heard about there being a boy or a child discovered in the grave with the owner of the castle when the, they had some accident and the grave was exposed? It's, it's true. So there was a child yes. that they didn't know where the child came from. That's right. They think suspect it was a niece that had okay. come to stay with them. Oh, really? And okay. had died of an illness. But Maybe. we don't have any documentation on it. That sounds like a good cover story. You know, a lot too. of it is, yeah, a lot of it is uh, just passed down through tradition and right. things like that. But there really isn't a lot of documentation. That is actually true, though. At the gravesite, because that mm-hmm. that is documented. They did find another. And there is reports of a here. child here. Yes, okay. there is. Um, now, a lot of things people talk about a little girl. We had one of our team members had an experience with a little boy. Okay. And uh, it really was uh, very shocking to her. Sho- like they were talking about with Sasquatch, it right. shocked her system. And we right. see a lot of things, but I guess because it was a child and it happened so fast and it was in the attic. Wow. Where we ran into that child. Oh, in the attic. Mm-hmm. So above the turret? Yes. Is there an access point? Uh, yes. Yeah, there is. Now, do you know anything about, because I forgot to ask Sarah this and Ron has left already. Do you know, any, know anything about this weird antenna that was supposedly existed on the roof of the castle? Not heard about that one. Okay. No. We'll get Sarah back here to talk about that. But supposedly there was some kind of weird antenna array that was not used for normal purposes, and it just kind of st- struck a mystery. I don't know. Well, in any the more early that. early eighteen hundreds was the time of the Enlightenment, so there were a lot of people getting into the spiritualist mm-hmm. movement and things like that. So that wouldn't surprise me. And that's isn't that where we are today? I mean, look at what we're, we're doing. Yes. I mean, every show kind of makes an excuse of why they're the Travels Channel, but they're also a ghost show. It's just like, well, wait a second, you're the cooking show. Why are you in a haunted castle? It's just like, well, we're kind of at the height of this new movement. Well, it's it comes and goes, and usually when things get, let's say, unstable in the country, mm-hmm. we tend to move more towards the spiritual side of things and the unknown. I have just noticed that pattern. Yeah. Um, but I can't say to this fact or anything. So like right before, say, like the Great Depression... You know, yeah. things like that, right, yeah. in the and 20s. Yeah, there yeah. was a place in San Diego, and I can't remember the name of the, the mansion, uh-huh. and it was a sp- guy who built it was a spiritualist, and he built three levels in his ceiling of open spaces so the spirits could come down and stay through those and then come in when they did seances. Wow, it kind of I mean, he's built his whole home around that. He was the head of the spiritualist movement Okay. at that time. What about, um, I'll just ask you, uh, what do you think of demons? There are some very negative things out there, I'll tell you that. Okay, but they're not exactly what you would call demons? I don't know if you call it a demon or not. Uh-huh. We, we, there's things like, we've run into an elemental here. Okay. Um, in Port Townsend, I won't say where, but that was shocking. And I, I feel totally comfortable yeah. with spirits, you know, that people that were human. This elemental, is it something you saw with your mind's eye? Yes, uh, but when it came out from where it came from, both of us at the same time were thrown back. Okay. And although we didn't see it, 
I shouted out what I was seeing, and that's what she said at the same time. We both went two different directions. Okay. But um, we've never left an investigation. We've we've also been where things have touched us or mm-hmm. given us a hard time, but we've never mm-hmm. left an investigation before. That one that night, we did. Wow. Because and it was just, it wasn't anything of this world. Can you describe a little bit about what you're talking about? It's kind of hard to describe. Um, it was a water elemental. Okay. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Lep Castle. It's kind of like that. Say that again? Le- Lep Castle in Lep Ireland. Castle. Oh, okay. I've heard you've of heard it. heard of the elemental yeah. there? Yeah. Well, this was kind of similar. So it was a wa- we, we had the impression it was a water elemental, but it was... I just don't... I, I hate to say what it looked like because you guys will go... You know, you know. We're just talking about, you know, cloak and cavemen yeah. and rainwater, so... Yeah. It was just, it's hard to tell, but in the, it was in the mind's eye because I couldn't, when we had this place open where it came out of, it was coming from the wall up the ceiling. Right. And then it came up and out. And it was like uh, black smoke, but you could see a remnant of some kind of skeletal form in it. Okay. Um, as it came out, and then it rushed us when it came out. And that's what threw us back about, oh, gosh, we went quite a ways back. And we both looked at each other and was like, okay, this is, this is I mean, we're, we're serious. What we do is very serious. Yeah. Because we want to understand. <coughs> we also love history. And there's another layer to history. And you can f- learn about that through the paranormal. Right. Um, and kind of understand, you know, more as you go. But this was definitely the first time we've run into something like that. And it was time to go. It was time to go. Yeah, no hesitation. No just hesitation. Like, We've seen yeah. enough, done enough. We knew this was not, <laughs> right? You know, yeah. something you want to mess with. And do you think Port Townsend is a supercharged, or is it just a normal, everyday kind of town with everyday kind of paranormal stuff? It's. It has a lot of paranormal activities. I don't think it's an everyday thing. It's mm-hmm. uh, like at other little towns. Right. This is abnormal, and I can kind of give you a reason why uh, this was originally supposed to be Seattle they were building up the town uh, to be that and mm-hmm. working, starting a railroad never never finished from down there but they already had the docks in place the wooden ships came here they did trade here they had you know sad to say they had Chinese and people from all over the country you know here working right. here doing things um, the only reason I say sad to say is because some of them weren't here on their own free will they had Shanghai uh, they had the you know, the ladies of the night and everything. They had, the dock was a dock, just like you'd find in San Francisco. Right. You know, except it was a smaller version, but with these, these ships in, there was a lot. I um, went to an estate sale and found <laughs> two historical books on Port Townsend with, um, that had documentation in it, had um, newspaper clippings, everything in it. And it was a really rough place back in the day. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if... Um, Let's say someone fell off a ship or whatever, or someone washed up on the beach. If they had really nice clothing, they'd find out who they were. But if they came up and they looked like they were a lady of the night or if they looked poor, they buried them on the spot on the beach. Wow. I mean, this is documented. 
So there's stuff everywhere here. And it was really rough down by where the city hall is and mm-hmm. um, the... Downtown was rough. Yeah, downtown area, yeah. especially over by, like I said, over by, by that area down there, per se, the Maritime Center. Okay. So the closer um, to the war... That's where the red light disc- district okay. was located. What about here? Was Up this here, ever used? This was wealth. This is the wealthy. It was. I mean, he was one of the town founders. Yeah, but this place was never used as a cat house, was it? Not that I'm aware of. Okay, I mean, it would kind of would have been perfect for. Yeah, room, right? there there are yeah. there are places in Uptown Port Townsend that yeah. were definitely like the, is the and Palace downtown. Hotel. Um, the Palace Hotel, oh, definitely, definitely was a cat house. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh okay. yeah, it was. Is yeah, no, we have. There's a madam there named Miss Kitty. Is that right? Uh, they had a lot of different ones. Um, Maria was, if I remember right, Maria was the main one. Okay, Maria. Uh, but they have named their rooms after right. the ones, you know, that yeah. they um, could find evidence of. Them. Are you staying here as well? I live here in Port Oh, Tunes. you do, so you don't need to. <laughs> yeah, I don't you got to go back to your own non-haunted room. Uh, well, I wouldn't say that. I live, <laughs> I live in a 109-year-old house okay. that used to be the Irondale Schoolhouse. Uh, oh, the first okay. schoolhouse in the Irondale Port Hadlock area. Okay, so what do you have going on at home? Um, well, just a few different things, yeah. but yeah, I really won't go into that. My family okay. wouldn't appreciate it. <laughs> okay. Alrighty, <laughs> but, but I, there is yeah. stuff. Yeah, there All is right. stuff. There is stuff. And so, what's the name of your group? Uh, Red Ball Paranormal. Red Ball. Red Ball Paranormal. Where? How to get that name? It's a long story. Okay. We'll have to hear that one it's, someday. It's pretty much women. You know, okay. there's three of us. And um, and most women can relate to this, that, you know, you're going, you're doing this investigation, and, you know, you have flashlights shining, and, it, and you're in a store or something that has all this beautiful jewelry, and it reflects, and you're like, oh, that's beautiful. Oh, I think I'm going to ask if we can put it aside for the morning. Oh, we better get back to the investigation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like red ball. Or, know, oh, or gotcha. Squirrel. Okay, squirrel. <laughs> you could have called it squirrel paranormal. Yeah, all but right. we came up with red, red ball. Red ball paranormal. Okay, so people can find you online? Yes, uh, we have a Facebook page, and we do have a website. If people want to have you come look at their house? That's something you guys we do? prefer, we rarely go into individual homes okay. unless it's like a vacation home and they're not going to be there. Okay. We prefer doing historical buildings. Okay. Uh, because of our hist- his- mm-hmm. our drive for history and the other layer of history. Right. We want to see what else we can find out and that matches up with history. Right. Um, and we've had some incredible um, EVPs and a lot of luck. I mean, here it's like you can't go wrong. No. This, this place is incredibly... And we've also been out at Fort Worden, too. Okay. And that's got its issues, too. But they were connected. The town's connected right. with Fort Worden, and, and, you know, they're pretty much connected together. Did you bring your group here, or is it just you? It's just me tonight. Okay. It's just you. All right. Cool. Yeah. All right. Stephanie, everybody. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. What's up? Oh, I got a hot brunette coming up to me right now with a love note. Is that my tab? Yeah, it's your tab. Oh, jeez. What the hell? All right. I want to thank everybody for joining us for that special broadcast, Podcast Alive. We'll do it starting in 2020. And again, free show. If you want to check out how to get a hold of us to do that, you can get a hold of me on Facebook while the website's under construction. It'll be up shortly, so just reach out to Tobe Johnson or Strange Brow Radio 
or shoot me a message at strangebrowradio at gmail.com. If you want to see the video of everything you just listened to, you can go to patreon.com forward slash strangebrowradio, and there it will be shortly, as well as some other goodies that we have already have on there. All right, I mentioned trolls, and trolls indeed, a troll infestation. When you do a show like this and you put yourself out there in the public eye, trolls will come a knocking, and indeed they have. Personal attacks, professional attacks, I guess, are just part of the business, but boy, oh boy, boys, boys will be little boys. You know, when you don't have your own story, you try to bring people down to your little tiny world where you uh, grab other people and make accusations and such. So uh, that's what's been happening here privately for the last couple weeks. And all I have to say to these specific individuals, two in particular, is noted. You have a digital signature as well. And noted. So be careful what you say. (laughs) It may come back. So we'll leave it there. All right. After that, I'm going to tell you that we have a great show coming up next week. I'm headed down to Oregon where it seems like when I head down to Oregon, it's a wink and a nod of sorts back up here in Washington when I get back. So... I don't suspect I'll be absent of my own personal stories, but in general, we will uh, have another guest on for you starting next Monday. And am I forgetting anything to tell you other than what I've told you? Oh, we just did an episode with uh, Midnight in the Desert. Um, You can check that out. Dave Schrader's show. He also has a show called The Holzer Files. Not The Hoser Files, The Holzer Files. I believe it's on the Travel Channel or History Channel. Uh, Midnight in the Desert. We just knocked out an interview of that. I think it will air this Sunday. And uh, he mentioned uh, our old haunting grounds at uh, Cottage Grove due to our old website. So we're going to get that updated. But yes, we're still at Manresa Castle in Port Townsend, Washington. So Midnight in the Desert. Um, check that out. Uh, Tim Dennis and Dave Schrader's show will be uh, talking more Owl Moon Lab and such. It's a good episode. All right. That's it. I tell you what, I will see you in the trees.